Ladies and gentlemen, take your flea baths, stock up on cheese, and tuck your pants into your socks for tonight's mangy malodorous melee. Slinking into this corner, a laboratory experiment gone awry, monsters, and the challenger, inbred 90s horror, trilogy of terror, part two. Ladies and gentlemen, and vermin of all genera, this is Put Up Your Spoons! <laughs> this week's theme... Rats. Willard! Shut up, Willard! Alright, Jeff. Take it away and tell us... How we got into this rat hole. Uh, last week, I was uh, awakened by my wife screaming about a giant rat in our house. How giant and, was uh, it? Uh, to hear her tell it, um, extremely monstrous. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't see it, uh, but I, I believe her. Um, we've never had a rat or even a mouse, I don't think, in any of our homes but uh, it recently started to heat up, and we've left some of the doors open to cool the place off. And um, what with the quarantine and stuff, the the rats are getting bold, yep. running the streets. Did you catch um, that rat? I, I had to, you know, so that was my day sorted. I, I went right out to Home Depot, and uh, I bought some giant stinky tea bags of, uh, you know, because we, uh, we have a cat and a dog, so I didn't want to put any, like, rat poison down. Uh-huh. Um, and I just don't really love rat poison no, anyway. that's very sad. I saw a poisoned rat in my uh, school basement once, and it was, like, gasping its last, and it was the saddest thing I ever saw. Yeah, so I just wanted to get some, some non-lethal options. I bought some of these stupid ultrasonic uh, rat brain scramblers, even though I know for a fact, like, beyond the shadow of the doubt, that these do not work, yeah. and they're a waste of money. <laughs> but you know it was it was voodoo uh so i put them up with the stinky tea bags and then uh i actually bought a like squ- a live squirrel trap and figured it out how to set up the cage and like put peanut butter in there and we never saw a sign of that rat again cool. like not so not so much as a poop wow maybe it uh, was just passing through uh it could have been although it would be more comforting in a weird way to catch the rat yeah. than to never see it again until you wake up one night and it's on your face with a spear yeah <laughs> so there you have it this week was rats unavoidably and yeah. unfortunately there's no are you afraid of the darks with rats there's no goosebumps with rats there was a book i think with rats but no episode uh there were some rats in the watcher's woods are you afraid of the dark but we'd already done that so the the only place i had left to turn was a Jeff suggestion, which was a movie and not a show, though it was in the 90s. Trilogy of Terror 2, Story 1, The Graveyard Rats. It should also be noted that this was not made for children, so I'm way out of my element here, but I'll give it a try. Yeah, Ryan's swimming in in my pond now. (laughs) The story starts, and some old guy, I never got his name, they say his name a billion times, but it, it doesn't matter. So from here on out, he's some old guy. He's talking about firing someone's cousin because they totally boned. And the female cousin, Laura, is in the room. And she's like, fuck you, I'm going to leave you, you old guy. But he's like, oh, 
Well, I wonder what the tabloids will make of this tape I have of you and your cousin boning. And he shows her the tape for like ten minutes. And she's like, well, I never. And then, right after that, he gives her his will, and she's still his sole heir. But only if she stops boning her cousin. This is going to be fun. Watching you attempt to cool off those hot little panties of yours. So, she goes straight to her cousin, Ben who's watching a movie called Kiss of Death, and she turns it off, and he's like, wait, wait, this is my favorite part. And uh, in the movie, that some guy like throws an old lady in her wheelchair down the stairs, killing her, and he's like, what? <laughs> oh, they don't make them like this anymore. Uh, and she's like, we, we can't do this anymore. I'm not going to get the money. And he's like, well, we could always kill the old guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, you. And then he's like, no, seriously, we could kill the old guy. What I liked about this is that uh, we've seen this plot in virtually every show I've covered for the podcast where it's an unfaithful spouse conniving to get money out of someone. Uh And normally with the turbo plots we watch, it's like it's already set up and there's nothing left to do but the murder. Whereas in this one, we actually get to see that that moment where the person suggests knocking off the spouse and we got to see the wife who was like, no, uh, that's ridiculous. Of course we're not going to do it. And, you know, she had to kind of get pulled into this scheme, which kind of set up her character as opposed to the cousin that she was boning. I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a really cool moment that we usually miss. She then calls him Ben a thousand times. Ben makes a perfect murder plan to scare him, I think, so he has a heart attack. As I say, he's got one foot in the grave already, so they'll be doing him a huge favor. Then he calls her cousin, and they bone. Then, later, the old man is making cool stock deals while Laura (laughs) pours something into his warm milk. I thought it was poison, but maybe it was just warm milk. I don't know. She was giving him a dose of something. Something. Then Ben shows up, asks if she put the dummies in the gun. Uh, this is a multifold plan. Laura brings the old guy the warm milk, and he just completely gives her the business because she sucks so hard. He's like, Can't even warm milk. Not much of a cook. You're not much of anything. Come on, here. Put it down here. Ah! Oh, you burned me. I'm sorry. Oh, stupid. You Get away! Back off! You've done enough damage! It's cardboard and it's cold! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're always sorry. In the middle of his tirade, they hear a crash from downstairs, and Laura sort of fake calls the police. She gives the old guy the gun with the blanks in it. He rolls around on his wheelchair, and then Ben attacks him from behind. The old guy tries to shoot Ben in the face, but his gun is filled with blanks, obviously. And then, echoing his favorite movie, pushes the old guy down the stairs. And is like, woohoo, I'm a movie hero! He is, he is loving He this. absolutely loves every moment he of his life. I mean, murder. Ben loves life. He's just gregarious that way. They drive to the old guy's funeral, uh, where they stay at the Old Salem Inn. And uh, so, there's a loving close-up of the sign that says the Old Salem Inn. And I thought, oh, there's going to be some, like, witchcraft that's going to bring these crazy rats to life. Well, it's kind of funny is uh in that close-up of the sign 
Salem was in all caps, which is like not how you write a sign. <laughs> it was like old, normal, Salem, all caps, Salem. and then in, yeah. normal. I mean, maybe um, witchcraft was responsible for the rats off camera. We just never saw. So they get to the old Salem Inn where there's a sudden explosion of accents. Well, like I was saying, old Stubbs here does it all right for himself, don't he, Aker? Sure does. He's got a real good thing going out there at the Boneyard. Ah, oh, you shut your holes. I'm just doing my job. Uh, the locals there are berating Stubbs the Gravedigger for stealing stuff off corpses. And rightfully so, because he steals stuff off corpses. Uh, ben and Laura order drinks and loudly talk shit about the town right in front of everyone. Uh, then Stubbs comes over and is like, hey, you guys are the uh, bereaved, right? And he's he says he's been ordered to bury the old guy in the old south yard, but... He recommends against it since the thousands of grave rats, big as dogs, have dug it all up with tunnels. And he's like, you should get the uh, steel enclosure. And they're like, yeah, fuck off. We don't need to be upsold. And he's like, well, don't say I didn't warn you. And then they make out in public. So they bury the old guy. And then a day or two later, they read the will. And it turns out the company is a hollow shell. There's no money. They get nothing. The only key to any cash is on a microfilm, which I assumed at this point had been buried with the old guy. They assume so as well a half a second later. And they realize it's in his antique watch, which I assume Stubbs has stolen. So they drive back up to Old Salem. Sure enough, Stubbs is digging up the body right at that moment. He does not hear them drive up or see their headlights. So they do the only logical thing and whomp him across the face with the shovel. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's dead. I, I thought this was so short-sighted because they could see him robbing the grave. Let the man rob <laughs> the grave. At worst, they were going to get out of this scot-free by robbing a robber who True. wouldn't turn on them. Good point. But the plot thickens. Yeah. So they find the watch on the corpse, and Laura is like, Hey, Ben, guess what? These ain't dummies. And she shoots them like two or three times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's dead. So, so much for cousin love. But just then, the rats appear, and they drag the old guy and his watch away into the tunnels from, like, from the coffin straight into the ground. Shoop. Uh, so she, of course, follows them in. These rats are scarier than the rats from Monsters, as we'll see in Jeff's segment. Uh, they bite and scratch and scream at her. She screams at them. She blows their heads off with her pistol. The old guy's entire head fits in one rat's mouth, which is pretty crazy. Laura gets the watch, and she is about to escape. She finds the tunnel again, and, you know, the rats are clawing her at her and biting her the whole time. Uh, but she sees the light at the end of the tunnel somehow uh, and climbs into the perfectly lit coffin, but the coffin lid is closed. So she's shooting at the rats as much as she can, 98 bullets later in a five-bullet revolver, uh, but there are too many rats, and they eat her alive, and then we pull back, and it turns out she climbed into a completely different coffin that was buried underground, but still somehow lit from inside. The end. Yeah, pretty awesome story. You know, it, it the camera kind of pans out and you see where she went in with the body of Stubbs the Gravedigger and, and cousin uh, her cousin ben. ben. And we see the, the, the coffin is empty and we know that she's being eaten alive by rats underground and some other coffin. Um, it was a very nice Poe-esque story. Yeah. What I like is that... Uh, 
because we start with her as an unfaithful wife who is not the one who recommends the murder and then to have her flip the script and actually kill her cousin Ben Mm. so she doesn't have to share the wealth that was like a nice little evil arc for her you don't really get why she killed Ben. I mean, she she kind of deserved to to live a good life because the old guy was so shitty towards her. Although she clearly married an old guy for his money, so she married an old guy for his money, and she cheated on him, and she did so with her cousin, which makes it like hey hey a no judgments extra here spicy no judgments here. But you know, as soon as they set that up, they then make the cousin like a sociopath yeah he's fucked and he gets worse and worse and they're like driving up to the funeral and he's just like talking all kinds of shit and just like proving what an asshole he is and and she's like over it at that point you can see she rolls her eyes at him so they're making her look better in comparison and they're making they make the the old guy husband like just monstrous yeah you know before he's killed so on the one hand it's classic slasher uh filmmaking where you just make everyone so hateable that you're actually rooting for their death (laughs) right but it was kind of nice that the person who was sort of slightly victimized in this ends up being the worst of the worst and then getting her comeuppance via giant red-eyed rat puppets at the end all the loose ends wrapped up tightly the rats I'm talking about the rats. All right, my episode was Monsters Stressed Environment. So we start with the lab assistant watching a woman change into like a custodian sort of lab tech outfit. And she puts on a two-way headset and enters a sealed lab that we see is the pesticide test environment. Pesta test. And it's a full-size model kitchen. And she begins uh, putting fake products on shelves. The head scientist, um, a lady named Dr. Porter, asks her if she sees any dead rats, but there are none. In fact, there has been no sign of dead rats for over 12 weeks. And not only that, some of the rat traps have been sprung and the bait has been taken and others are missing entirely. So they ask her to check a jammed pesticide nozzle under a cabinet and when she gets down under there she finds that it's been totally clogged with bits of cloth and cardboard and she wonders huh could the rats have done this right about then lab phone rings and it's dr winston the head of the lab and he is complaining about the weird results coming out of this lab and dr porter starts acting kind of shady but they get distracted by a strange noise coming from the microphones in the rat lab. So they start begging the lab tech. They're like, get out of there, get out of there. But before they can get her out, she is suddenly speared in the head. So the lab assistant rushes in and pulls her out, but it's too late. She's dead. And clutched in her hand is this crazy little rat warrior with a spear and it's squealing and stabbing her repeatedly. Yeah, I laughed out and loud and I absolutely loved Spear Rat. That was my favorite moment of the day. Spear Rat made my jaw drop. It was so 
so amazing. I don't know. It, it was so delightful. So perfectly and so silly. unexpected. <laughs> so silly and weird and wonderful. So cut to Dr. Winston inspecting the tiny rat spears. And uh, Dr. Porter it points out how they've been carved and shaped. And their little glass spearheads have been perfectly napped. And you know this was especially sweet for us yep. who have studied the <laughs> primitive arts of uh, flint napping. Extensive glass napping experience. This episode was like made for me perfectly. I don't know if, if you felt like it was made for you perfectly. Oh, yeah. So in classic monsters fashion, nobody gives a fuck about the horrific murder. They Never mentioned again. Witnessed. Oh yeah, yeah, he's dead. Dr. Winston wants to shut the rat lab down and he doesn't understand why Dr. Porter has wasted her promising career on this stuff. She used to be the head of primate research, but she started experimenting with rats 12 years ago. But I designed this particular environment to select for another trait. Intelligence, look at it, really look at it like a scientist. Bipedal, opposable thumbs, a brain triple the size of a normal specimen. All evolved in only 12 years. So they had gassed the room with poison, but they can still hear the rats. And the lab assistant wants to burn them all out, but Dr. Porter says that because these rats have involved intelligence, they should be reasoned with. Dr. Winston doesn't believe any of this, but then suddenly the power goes out. And when the backup power kicks in, they open up the fuse box and find that the rats have tunneled inside and shorted out the fuse with a fork. Now the lab doors won't open without the main power, but they can manually get into the rat kitchen and put in more poison gas. Dr. Winston is pulling on his hazmat suit and Dr. Porter is begging him, look, we can teach these rats mercy. But Winston says, We've been trying to teach each other that lesson for 2,000 years with notably poor results. How are we going to teach it to a different species between now and the time the lights go out? So Dr. Winston tells the lab assistant to suit up, and he's like, fuck that, do it yourself, which was great. I thought Keith was 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 crushing it. <laughs> Some sweet guitar music rocks out while he's searching the rat lab with his flashlight, looking for holes and things. And while he's in there... The rats wheel out a modified mousetrap weapon, which technically is a Scorpio-style ballista, uh-huh. and shoot him in the neck. Next, the rats knock the emergency light down on the lab assistant's skull and kill him. Dr. Porter goes in, she finds a wounded rat, she lifts it up, and she kind of cradles it, and she says, Don't worry, <laughs> I won't kill you. Then a creepy voice calls out from the darkness. This was my other jaw-dropping moment. I was like, no, they didn't. So she turns around and sees the chief rat who is wearing a tiny necklace of bones and holding a spear. And Porter's figured out their plan. They're going to wait for someone to open the lab so they can escape out into the world. And she wants to stop all those fighting and help them progress to the next stage of civilization. Uh, she says, I could use this gas on you, but I won't. Let's have peace. And the rat chief kind of seems on board with this plan. He's he's open to nonviolence. And he takes his tiny spear and he rests it on the ground. But 
when she reaches out to hug him, he kind of recoils and squeaks in fear. Cue the bitchin' guitar music. Cue the rat ballista. They shoot her down. And the rat chief squeaks and picks up his spear. And as Porter dies, she says, How human you are. How human. She reaches out for the poison canister and it rolls away. We zoom into her unblinking eye. The end. So first and foremost, for Monsters, the TV show, they spent a huge amount of time and money and energy building those prologue monsters for one scene that they used over and over again, and then they probably threw those monsters in the garbage. Hopefully they used them on other productions. Uh, Anyways, I digress. They may have been used in other episodes, for all we know. Perhaps. This show is silly. The The rat puppets were so silly. This this may be uh, bold talk, but I think the rat puppets in Monsters were better than the rat puppets. I think they were a lot sillier and a lot more awkward. There was one point where they're, like, getting ready to go and battle the rats or whatever, and the soundtrack goes, dun-dun. No, Robert, listen. There's no time for that, Elizabeth. Are you coming with me? And I so thought that Cry Little Sister was about to play, I got really excited. (laughs) Um, What did you think of the ending? Uh, So to me, at at the climax of the show, it seemed a little ambiguous whether or not the rat was actually laying down his weapons and agreeing to peace, or was trying to lure her in to kill her. And it's also ambiguous at the end, as she's dying, she reaches out for the poison canister and it rolls away. And I don't know if she was pushing it away so that the rats could live, or if she was trying to poison them with her dying breath and kind of fumbled it. I don't see ambiguity there because she says how human you are. And then I, I feel like she tries to, to turn the gas because she knows these rats are, in fact, going to go out and destroy the world. But she's just ballista dead at that point, so she can't get the, you know, she can't get the wheel to turn. And I also don't think... I, I think the leader rat was considering her peace offering, but then he couldn't get over the fact that she killed thousands upon thousands of his ancestors in her attempts to make them smarter. So when she reached for him with her big, scary, human-murdering hands... He couldn't help but have that fear reaction. Uh, you know, maybe he was willing to make some talks, but he wasn't willing to hug, that's for sure. I, it, it seemed like when she was dead, he picked his spear back up. And I don't know yeah. if... He if, was like, you know what, rat, we're in it now. Fuck this. <laughs> I had the subtitles on, but they didn't... Uh, they, didn't <laughs> they didn't translate. Subtitle his speech. So I don't know if it was like, yay, our plan worked, or <laughs> but also no, he was we like, could have reached a yeah, he, peace he, accord. He saw that she did ultimately try to poison them at the end. So two other notes. Um, I really like the concepts in the monsters episode and how they laid out the reasoning for the experiment, how they designed it, why they chose rats, how it would work. Um, I it felt like a very well written and reasoned concept um, and it still hewed to the low, low budget bottle episode formula of monsters and I thought they just knocked this one out of the park low budget is so good it lightly. so uh, the actress who played Dr. Porter Carol Lindsay has been in 11 
different spooky shows. Oh. Like spooky episodics going all the way back to the 50s. Wow. New contender yeah. for uh, Top Spook or whatever. I mean, some of her credits are like the the DuPont Aluminum Hour and stuff. <laughs> like Her credits are wild. Wow. Uh, she was in two different incarnations of Alfred Hitchcock's Presents all the way forward to a role in The Howling Six, The Freaks. The Howling Six, your second cousin twice removed is a werewolf? Uh, uh, Howling Six was your sister is a carny. Um, <laughs> that was the one that took place in a carnival that had a vampire in it. Oh, God, I don't Super remember cool. them. I, I honestly don't remember them at all. I know we watched every single last one of them, but... We, we watched all the Howlings. Howling Six is actually one of the rare good sequels. But let's get into ratings indeed let's do okay trilogy of terror 2 chapter 1 graveyard rats body count 5 if you count the old woman in the movie I don't count the old woman in the movie because I think that was a stunt old woman (laughs) so 4 but like at least 10 if you count the rats that got their heads blown off I'll give it a soft 5 okay uh, scare factor medium I guess the end with the rats is kind of scary, but... And I guess if you were uh, claustrophobic, it would be kind of scary. If you're claustrophobic, I think that would be very... Or afraid of rats, which obviously this this show was trading on. I think it could be very scary. It was pretty effective. Um, I think the rat puppets weren't that great, and it lost a little of its sheen the longer they were on screen. (laughs) So I'd put it at low to midland. Mm-hmm. Also, there was nothing scary up until that point. Yeah, nothing, right? You know I mean? Except for uh, spousal abuse. <laughs> and, and incestuous infidelity. Again, no judgments. <laughs> uh, gross fact. Low, I, I think. I mean, Grave Robin. You didn't even, see, you didn't even really see the corpses. Theme of rats, pretty high. Theme of rats, very high. Hella 90s. Nah, it wasn't very 90s, in my opinion. It felt more 80s to me with yeah. the, the, the microfilm. Microfilm the sleaziness. the secret watch compartment. Yeah. It, it I mean, this was like some straight up Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, kinda. absolutely. Uh, what the Factor. No, straightforward, low What the Factor. I'll give it a bump on What the Factor, considering that they just could have paid off the Gravedigger and really gotten away much more smoothly. True. Once you turn to evil and murder, though, it's like all bets are off. That's true. They were in a murder spiral. Yeah, yeah, totally murder spiral. Judgments aside, I'll give it a slight what the factor for the cousin fucking, just because it could have been a normal (laughs) affair. Yeah. The fact that they were cousins didn't really, yeah. Although he was going to go to the tabloids and stuff, I guess, so the reputations were at stake. I mean, an affair between... An affair. Oh, between... Quasi-famous people. And workers at the company. Who, right. Yeah, it would have been plenty of tabloid yeah. fodder. Okay, monsters, stressed environment, body count, we've got same score, four and a half. Yeah. I mean, soft, soft five. Except for an extra couple of squashed rats. Yeah. One got well, stomped I mean, on, of, one got squashed one under got a body. One got stomped. I would say that uh, because they were intelligent, 
that they, <laughs> their deaths maybe count a little more. Uh-huh. But I, I'm willing to, to tie it up. Oh, and, and of course the thousands upon thousands that she slaughtered to get to that point. Twelve years of rats being slaughtered. Ooh. And however yeah, many monkeys she killed ahead before that, before the government Primary started poking research. its nose in. Right, okay, I might call that song. Six. I'm gonna call that soft uh, thousands. Uh, scare factor. Um, well, it was too silly. Scare factor low. Shock factor high. <laughs> when that rat yeah. was stabbing her in the head with the spear, and when that rat called out her name in English, I, I almost want to call I mean, spear rat and English shock. rat a what the factor. Fair, fair, fair. Gross factor. We had some head stabbing. Yeah, it wasn't very some, gross though. Their weapons were so teeny tiny, you only got a little splash of blood. That's true. All right. I'll say low gross factor. Theme of rats, high, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, Totally 80s. Um, There was something about the lab scientists in their white coats (laughs) looking through a glass at a sort of test module that was very evocative of the 80s to me. And, and I don't know why, but I do feel like that was a trope or convention of a lot of 80s plots. So I'm, I'm going to give that low to Midland. Yeah. Uh, what the factor? Yeah, hi, Spear Rats. Enough said. I think I think Monsters takes this on what the factor. Winner, Monsters. Stressed environment. You versus 100 rats. Could you do it? Yeah, I mean, I think you just jump up and down. Unless they have ballistas, then I feel like you're probably pretty okay. All right, scenario two. You versus 100 rats with ballistas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's dead. I feel like with a little bit of preparation, those rats would have been an SOL. I mean, obviously, if they're um, messing with wiring and stuff, that that's going to be tough. Yeah. When you watch, like, fantasy movies or shows that have giants in them, the giants are always these like lumbering half-naked brutes, <laughs> but in a showdown between a human and a bunch of rats with weapons, the humans could like put on body armor and that that just blows the asymmetry out of the water. Yeah. I mean they may have been so intelligent, but far. they were of they primitive were intelligent. intelligence. Yeah, I mean if a human put on SWAT team gear, and just went in and just started stomping on rats like that is an extinction level event. I think so, yeah. Have you ever owned a pet rat? I did. I owned a pet mouse once when I was a child. Really? And my parents hated it until they would release it into the wild and then it would just keep showing up on the doorstep. Some rats and nip shit. And, and sometimes it would show up at my uncle, who was our neighbor, my uncle and aunt. They lived, uh, you know, in the next house over. And it would show up on their doorstep, and they'd be like, "Is your pet mouse over here?" Did it have like a <laughs> must a have had white a radar in its, on its head, or <laughs> um, like a little dog tag? And then eventually, they left it down in the basement, and it just died. I think it was probably due. I'm sure at that, you know, mice don't live a very long time. I don't remember if it froze to death in the basement or what. You know, oh, I probably geez. didn't take care of it because I was five years old. Did you have a little mouse funeral for it? I don't remember. I don't remember that part. I was probably too distraught. Or they told me it went to live on a farm or something. Did you ever have a pet rat or mouse? Never did. Um, They're very I remember in Boston, where I went to college, there was this amazing diner called Deli House. 
where like all, all the punks and like cool alternate kids would hang out. And I remember there's one guy who had a rat that mm-hmm. like would just hang out on his shoulder inside wow. the restaurant. Ugh. That's how cool it was. Gross. But rats were like so common in Boston that like we'd walk around at night and I would like throw like goldfish to them and feed them. Ugh. And you'd be waiting for the for the subway and rats would be like running back and forth down the tracks. And I remember there was some really like wicked storms one year that flooded the underground metro and they had to pump all the water out of the subway lines with these big hoses and the hoses were getting clogged with giant dead rats. Ew. But when the rats would come out, it was like they were just shooting dead, wet rats out of these hoses. It was gnarly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Jeff, don't look now. Don't, don't. I said don't look. Behind you, on the Skype, the rat that inspired this entire episode, he's creeping up behind you. He's learned to use tools. He's learned to use the television. He's watching anthology horror he started a podcast he wants me to watch horror shows with him what should i do for the love of god rerun for your life